This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You guys already know how obsessed I am with therapy. I talk about it all the time on this podcast about how I have two therapists and how I go to therapy every single week. Well, I've been going to therapy for years, but once 2020 hit, the year of chaos for all of us, I really needed extra support and BetterHelp has really been there to guide me through these chaotic times. Uh, I've been dealing with anxiety, depression, and I also have been in this recovery space for disordered eating and just a host of other issues. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and, uh, and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, so all you have to do is you take a a quick online quiz, you answer some questions about what you're going through, what kind of therapist you're looking for, and you can literally write in the answers, I am looking for this kind of therapist, I am looking for an expert in this field. That's what I did, and they matched me with a therapist who has tons of experience with eating disorders, trauma, and depression. And to be honest, I love my therapist so much. She's probably my favorite therapist I've ever had. And I've been through like a variety of therapists over the years. Me and her really hit it off. And even if you don't hit it off with your therapist right away, because let's be real, finding a therapist can honestly feel like you're dating. Don't worry, you can always change therapists as many times as you need. No questions asked, no charge or anything like that. So you can always change your therapist and then get matched with a new one that day. So BetterHelp uh, is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is literally professional counseling done securely online. And what I love about BetterHelp is that they have a journal feature. So if you're going through something challenging through the week and you don't have an appointment until, let's say, next week, you can write a journal entry. It's all online. It's secure. And if you'd like, you can share that journal entry with your therapist so that they are on the same page. They're caught up. They know exactly what you're going through. They know whatever triggers you've been dealing with over the week. And what's awesome about BetterHelp, too, is that your therapist will respond. So you can actually communicate with your therapist in between your your sessions. So it's not like you only get, get to talk to your therapist once a week. You can check in with them frequently in between your sessions. You can catch them up to date. You can kind of communicate with them every day if you wanted to and the online journal feature is really nice for folks who are new to journaling or just need that extra support so communicating with your therapist more frequently could really benefit you if you're going through a rough time. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available if you are struggling right now. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's better com slash vibe. And you can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You deserve the support. 
you deserve the healing and you are not alone there are so many people who are struggling with severe anxiety depression trauma all of these things and you don't need to suffer in silence anymore so visit betterhelp.com vibe for a discount on your first month of online therapy that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com slash vibe and that discount code will get you 10% off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe welcome to the vibe within podcast i'm your host gab cohen Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone. So let's connect and heal our vibe within. Hey guys, welcome back to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and right now I am currently at this direct moment in time in Miami and it's pouring and I love the rain I really love the rain but I was actually about to head out and run some errands and I'm temporarily in Miami just for a week and I have some shit to do and then it started pouring and I was like all right what am I gonna do to wait for this rain to stop and I was like why don't I just hop on the podcast and record some intros so I'm super excited to share this episode with you guys today Um, it's with Justin Janoska and he is the founder of the autoimmune revolution and he specializes in Hashimoto in lupus MS PCOS eating disorders and his main priority is giving women real results and I really loved I I found out about Justin when I was listening to Arielle Laurie's podcast The Blonde Files who I actually am going to be interviewing and she's going to be coming on the show so I really recommend checking her podcast out as well but he so Justin has this different kind of way of looking at Hashimoto and autoimmune disease and if you didn't know I actually was diagnosed with Hashimoto uh, at the beginning of the year so February 2020 Um, man 2020 has just been amazing right (laughs) Um, so yeah I got I got diagnosed with Hashimoto but if you've been listening to the podcast I recommend listening especially the last you know 10 episodes because I've really been digging deep into the why of why the endocrine system might not be working as properly as as efficiently as possible and usually it's the core issue is has nothing to do with the thyroid and I decided um, you know 
mm, let's see, last year, 2019, to take myself off of thyroid medication. And I actually am really happy with the results. And, you know, it was really cool talking to Justin because he also is in that camp of not really leaning on medications as much as figuring out what the core issue is. And so we talk about what core issues could be, you know, gut health, hormones, and um, he really just has a, a refreshing way of looking at things. I I tried to ask him lots of questions, so I feel like some of the questions got a little bit redundant, but I was just trying to really dig deep in, into what he knows because he is a wealth of knowledge and you know he's trying to just break the barriers of what these traditional doctors are doing as far as putting you on medication doing only certain types of tests you know it is so fucking frustrating to go to the doctor and tell them hello I'd like this test I'd like this test I've done my research and for them to tell you oh we don't do that here you don't know how many times that has happened to me. I've been to the endocrinologist, which is a doctor who specializes in the endocrine system, thyroid, hormones, stuff like that. And there were some simple tests that I had asked them to do, like uh, testing the pineal gland, and uh, I had to actually beg them to test my cortisol. And, you know, lo and behold, um, my cortisol levels were skyrocketed. So I, I found that out in not even that long ago. I'm, I want to say a few months ago from when I'm recording this, this intro. And um, the cortisol levels was the core issue. So, yeah. And maybe I knew that when I was talking to Justin or I had just found out a little bit after our interview. So just keep in mind that the core under the under the radar under the surface issue could be several things and you know everyone wants to blame the gut because obviously our gut is what helps our body thrive but it can be a, a number of things and in my case it was cortisol levels so I actually had to stop working out I had to stop um, all the stress in my life which I truly think was my living situation was you know, too much toxicity around me, um, family members, like watching Fox News 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's just, you have to really take inventory of who's in your life, what's around you, what is sucking your energy. And if you, if, if things aren't feeling good around you and outside of your body, how are things going to feel good in your body? You know, so you really have to take inventory of, of your surroundings because that does directly impact your physical body and your mental state. So, you know, we got to just take our healing from a multifaceted approach. It's not just the gut. It's not just what we're eating. It's not just what we're, what we're working out. It's not just journaling. It's not just going to therapy. It's all of it. So, um, I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Justin. Uh, I learned a lot, and he's just, like, fun to talk to. He's very, like, open and honest and no bullshit, you know, no filter. You know how we do on the Vibe Within. You know, we aren't we aren't sugarcoating shit, and there's no reason to, to hide or to mask who we are. So enjoy this episode with Justin, and if you do enjoy it, please 
share it with a friend or a family member or you could rate review and subscribe on iTunes because that's what helps the podcast thrive so without further ado let's get into it with Justin Janoska I am really happy to talk to you especially today out of all days because um I actually had a GI appointment scheduled today and Mm -hmm. I and I got there and they the doctor wasn't there (laughs) so um yeah so and I was waiting for this appointment for like three weeks so I was just like wow (laughs) (laughs) so I was like okay this is perfect because now I can actually ask Justin maybe some questions um that you know I can go to that GI appointment now that's in two weeks but whatever so um there's no Hashimoto's right technically diagnosis wise Uh, um so I do have Hashimoto and I and I guess we can just go right into it right now. A lot of the, a lot of the listeners do know my health kind of journey at this point. Um, we talk about autoimmune disorder and eating disorders and nutrition and holistic health and all that stuff on here. So when I was 17, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. But the thing is, is that I think I was personally misdiagnosed because prior to that, I had Um, dipped pretty deep into an eating disorder and disordered eating. And I think that kind of just took my body on a loop and I was Mm. still uh, growing and I was, you know, still so young. Um, At the same time after that, when my body was healing, I was uh, put on medications like birth control and then the thyroid medication and antidepressants. So like that trifecta right there is just like it's all just beginning to make sense to me now and i know that um my drug use and my substance abuse couldn't have helped it either because that's what Mm -hmm. happened in high school and college so it's it's a mix of so many things now i just want to say i just hit one year sober so i am like super clean and no drinking and none of the bullshit that was keeping me from actually reaching, you know, a legitimate healing like path. So good for you, girl. I thank you. Thank you. So, you know, now, I mean, if, if, you know, for the listeners, I'm sure they understand like when you actually do get a good amount of time under your belt with sobriety and not like toxifying your body with whether it's food or alcohol or cocaine or whatever it is. Um, now my body's finally starting to like reach like new layers of, of awareness. And that comes with GI problems that comes with Hashimoto. Um, I was diagnosed with it, I guess I want to say two months ago when I got my blood work done. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, you know, I, I just, I'm really grateful that you came on here because it's, there's so many different aspects to this and your work has a really nice angle to it because you work with a lot of clients who have had, um, you know, hyper dieting or eating disorders or counting micros or people who have, um, you know, been in the body competition world. And I love that you connect those two things together and how open and honest you are about it, because it's not just one thing, especially in this, this world we live in with, you know, obsession with, with healing and obsession with with digestion and all this stuff. So I'd love to maybe just have you explain a little bit of what what you do and what you focus on. 
Yeah, for sure. So, you know, my business is the call, it's called the automated revolution. So to give you an idea of what I really do, but, um, you know, what I, it's, it's a little tricky because, um, it's not just autoimmune disease, it's reproductive disorders and infertility issues and eating disorders and disordered eating and body dysmorphia and trauma. Childhood trauma is a big part of this as well. So, um, it started off with Hashimoto's and autoimmunity because my mom has it, right? That's why I did this in the first place. But then it kind of just morphed into this sort of progression of reproductive issues because I kept seeing it all the time. Missing periods, hypothalamic menorrhea, the competition world, um, people who just burn, you know, pretty much drive their metabolism to the ground from chronic dieting. Saw that a lot, eating disorders, saw that a lot too. And then, then the trauma piece came last and that's when I really saw it and I was like, okay, this is all connected. So, um, that's why I, I do all this, not because I necessarily wanted to, it's just because it's because it makes right. sense and you have to treat or heal the whole person, um, if you really want to get the best results. Right. Right. So you said your mom has Hashimoto and, you know, that's where it struck a chord for you to help people heal. Um, so basically, I've heard you talk on several podcasts and I've watched some of your videos and I just would love to know, um, you know, what's the most common type of issue that you see with a lot of your clients who come in who maybe have Hashimoto or have hypothyroidism. I know that everybody's different, but what would be one of the most common kind of uh, root causes of these issues, like biologically, like physically? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the symptoms are pretty diverse. However, there are a handful of symptoms that are pretty much uh, similar across the board, fatigue, weight gain, brain fog, and, uh, bloating, <laughs> something like that. Um, and as far as root issues that trigger this, yeah, it's incredibly specific to the person. There's so many different components to this, but I can tell you this, um, with my experience after doing this for a number of years, uh, I, I always say this around 85, maybe 90%, literally if our clients with Hashimoto's even autoimmune as a whole, have some sort of unresolved, unprocessed trauma from childhood or early adulthood. Um, and it's, it's confusing because people will say, well, I don't really have trauma. I had a great childhood. My parents were nice and uh, they, you know, they treated me fairly and all this stuff. Listen, that's great. I hear that. And what I say is that it's all relative. It's, it doesn't matter if it's sexual abuse, physical abuse, or you just got picked on um, in re at recess during the fourth grade for a week <laughs> it might seem insignificant, right. but that could be traumatizing. It's all relative and based on the story you may or may not have around it and really how it lives in the body. And you know, I have my own, honestly, if you're a walking human on this earth, you have trauma. <laughs> Everybody does. It's not, no one's unique and special. It's just, we're all kind of in this together, but you have to kind of dissect your own life and health and see like, well, maybe there's something there that's buried that we've uh, shoved away on purpose because it's painful. We don't want to face it. So that's what I help a lot of our clients uncover. And sometimes they know what it is. They just don't know how to heal it. And sometimes they don't know it's there. 
right? A good example of this. Right. I had a client, I have a client now who with, with Hashimoto's and she said the same sort of thing. I had a great childhood, but through our work together and kind of unraveling this, she realized that she was dealing with a lot of um, anger that she kind of held on to from high school because her best friend like uh, betrayed her and hooked up with her boyfriend at the time. And it might not seem like much, but that anger shows up in her life today. So right. there's some healing. There's an opportunity for healing there. Is there, is there not? And that's super important because it may seem like it has nothing to do with autoimmune disease or Hashimoto's, but it absolutely does. It has everything to do with it because the mind and body are not separate. And we have to just realize that and accept that as the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of like a devil's advocate though, because mm -hmm. I think like when, you know, for example, like when somebody comes in and they're just like, you know, they have all these symptoms, they feel like, I'll use me for an example. Um, I feel like my body cannot d digest food properly. I'm, you know, there's no such thing as TMI on this podcast. I mm -hmm. sometimes will like use the bathroom so many times a day, like shitting my brains out. And I'm just like, why? Like I, I barely ate, you know what I mean? And it's like, as much as I want to, to say, yes, it's the trauma. I need to heal the trauma. You know, I do, I go to talk therapy twice a week. Um, I do yoga. I meditate. I am journaling. I'm doing all these things. What, you know, how do we navigate through and find balance between, yes, I know that I have trauma. I definitely know that. And I know what my traumas are, but how do we navigate through the the physicality of the healing? What do you do when you have a client come to you who is fully aware of their traumas and they are having some serious, you know, symptoms and outbreaks and um, they just want to feel somewhat normal physically? Like, do you go in there with certain tests? Do you use a protocol of herbs? Like, mm -hmm. what's your go-to kind of um, protocol for that? Yeah. So the, the general idea here is that it's not just one thing, right? You could have IBS symptoms and all these symptoms and really it's a reflection of a whole host of things. Trauma being one part of the pie. That's what we have to realize. Um, that's the driving force. That's the antecedent I find for a lot of people with autoimmune disease and unexplained symptoms, fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, multiple chemical sensitivity, all these sort of things we hear about, you know what I'm saying? So that's where it starts really. And as I kind of described to a lot of people, the bucket fills up with water over the years of all these antigens and triggers. And uh, all of a sudden it spills over and you're in full-blown stage three autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's. Yep. So the trauma is only a piece of it. But as a result of that, you've acquired secondary problems. It's a, you know, it's a corollary of the trauma, for example. And no, not everybody has trauma, of course, and these sort of issues. But if we're talking about this as an example, yes, it's, it's the beginning of it. But, you know, you find that I find a lot that people develop, yeah, very heightened food sensitivities or chemical sensitivities, um, maybe EMF stuff, infections are really common too. Um, leaky gut stuff, not always, but that's also there, liver issues potentially. So you have to understand like, you know, there are other issues that have been born out of a whole bunch of things in the past, potentially. So I'm not here to be like, well, this happens. So we have to do this first or this or that. It's really doing all of it. You know, I don't, you know, chicken or the egg type of thing. I don't know. It's really irrelevant right. to me. It's, it all matters. So, um, it's, you know, the way I describe it in my model is we're looking at the biography, seeing how you got here, because, um, the one thing I say is, and I learned is that, you know, your symptoms, um, 
your disease tells you a story, not just about your cells, but of yourself. If we choose yeah. to dive in there and look in your history, and that's where you can find a lot of insight, but you don't find that with just surface level stuff of, okay, change your diet, take some supplements and herbs and do a detox and call it a day. And that doesn't work. Right. It's, if it worked, it, it, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It does matter, but it's very, very surface level stuff. So you got to dig deeper and go beneath the ocean line. Like look at, look at an iceberg and what's beneath the ocean line. That's what we have to do. And that's the biography. So that's, that's number one. Right. And the second one would be psychology, which is just your thoughts and supplement beliefs and attitudes and behaviors and seeing how that ties in your biography. And then the biology is the third part, which is related to what you just said about symptoms of IBS and bloating and, and dysbiosis and liver issues and lymphatic drainage blockages and, you know, chemicals and metals and so, so forth. So I look at all three of those departments and, and when we integrate all three of those domains, that's your solution out of here. Now, obviously that's all relative to the person, but that's like the 30,000 foot view. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. So like you can't just fix the physical, you have to fix the emotional and the spiritual and, and that's where the trauma is, is laid in. And I think this is why I, I really fell in love with your approach because when I was listening to you on Ariel's podcast, mm -hmm. you know, she has a lot of the similar, um, kind of issues that I have mm -hmm. and, um, with addiction, with, with mm -hmm. drug abuse, with, you know, beating up our bodies for, for several years, it could, it takes a toll and then your body is just done, you know, as, and as someone with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto, I truly, I mean, and a lot of the listeners actually have autoimmune dis disorders as well. I think that's why um, my podcast has been thriving is because I'm just talking about like the real shit that I'm going through. Um, but it can be debilitating at times because as much as we want to um, heal in natural ways and we just want to eat normally, it's I feel like half of it is in my head and half of it is really truly physical and it's hard to navigate and balance both with food sensitivities and like understanding like well is this really is this really a pain that's that's occurring in my body or is it is it all mental is it all emotional is mm -hmm. it you know what what comes first so well, i guess my my next yeah, question for you is like what <laughs> kind know. of like what kind of like test like do is your is your first kind of go-to for GI for blood tests, just to get like a basic overall understanding of the person on paper, as far as like their physical health. Okay. I'll be really honest with you. I don't do a lot of labs. I, I kind of don't actually. And that seems mm -hmm. kind of counterintuitive to a lot of people because that's all they've ever been exposed to. And that's actually why I don't do it because you go to a naturopath and I'm not hating on naturopaths or alternative medicine doctors, but, uh, they're, they're just as much of a problem as conventional doctors because they just give you 25 supplements for um, every test they run. And it's like, run a test protocol, run a test protocol, run a test protocol. And that model doesn't work. And my mom went through that. I saw it with everybody in the clients I've worked with. So like, we got to do better than that. So what I'm trying to say is that, yes, there's a need sometimes and uh, to, to explore the, the you know, GI environment um, and, but sometimes I can just make, you know, good assumptions and we can go for it anyway and do it with natural stuff. And there's no risk for harm, like fungus stuff, maybe small intestinal bacterial growth issues. Maybe it's like you got, we can kind of go, go in for that. Um, 
without necessarily running tests. And I'm not here to, and I don't run a test because uh, sometimes clients don't want to. They spend a lot of money on this stuff. Why would they want to yeah, spend another couple hundred? Right. And if what, and this is the thing I always say is why would you run a test if it doesn't change your approach? If you know what you potentially could expect out of that, right? Then right. you know why run it? And that's why I'll I won't do it. I will only run a test if I feel like there will be positive finding. Not just I'm going to run a hair a heavy metal test because I just for fun because I want to rule things out. That's absolutely asinine. <laughs> you know it really mm-hmm. is. And people get frustrated and disillusioned and let down when they find out there's nothing nothing there. They wasted all thousands of dollars. So it's all relative, yeah. but I I, all, I really leave it to the client for them to make the decision. I'm not here to force anybody what to do. You know, that's my angle with this. And it's what I find to be most helpful. But um, there's a time need for testing, but I really rarely ever run tests. I'll do one, maybe two max ever. But that's what I find is is um, most effective too. Now, for sure, there are clients I've had in the past who've had four or five autoimmune diseases. And then, yeah, we got to really dig in and, and do more testing. Um, and this, these are not, you know, the conventional types of labs. These are more of the alternative sort of things that most conventional doctors don't know about or will discredit and say there's no evidence for it and blah, blah, blah which is nonsense. There is it's a lot of utility for it, but, um, it just, you know, it really just depends on it. And the other thing I'll, I'll quickly add in here, just because you're talking about food sensitivities and issues and how do you know if it's mental or, uh, psychosomatic, right? Those sort of things. I mean, listen, it's both. <laughs> if you have food issues, that's really common for a reason. Um, but if you believe that, you know, eating, uh, non-gluten grains or, elect- or lectins or nightshades is going to be inflammatory and worsen your disease, then you're going to manifest that. And so that's also uh, another fact we have to just consider, right? Right. It's that food fear. And that's, and that like, and that's what a lot of, I think your clients have, um, cause you have experience with people who are like in the body competition realm. So like someone who, has put their body through the ringer, let's just say, you know, they feel like they have no metabolism, they feel like they can't digest food, or they feel like every like their food is just kind of it's hard for them to digest, or they react a lot. How do you naturally build somebody's metabolism back up? Or how can you kind of rebuild their endocrine system or their thyroid so that it's it's working at, you know, a more normal kind of rate? Are we talking about Thyroid issues, specific, yeah, excuse me, specifically, or Hashimoto's, or in general. Um, thyroid and Hashimoto, yeah, because I feel yeah. like um that after years of stressing the body out with dieting or restricting yeah. or over exercising and stuffing like stuff like that, um, it can be it can be daunting to to be in this place where, you know, I don't, I don't feel like my body's ever going to be normal again. You know what I mean? It can be very, it can be a dark place to, to be in. Mm -hmm. And I just, I would just love to, to hear how, you know, does remission actually exist? How do you go about, um, treating Hashimoto in a natural way? Because personally, in my experience, I stopped taking my thyroid medication about, seven or eight months ago because I was on it for 11 years and I knew every time I took that pill I knew this is not helping my body like this is actually killing my body and as much as doctors want to to disagree with me and they look at me like I'm a crazy hippie who comes into their office and wants to be all holistic and whatever I know my body and I know that being on a synthetic hormone 
you know, since I was 17, now I just turned 30. That's not normal, you know, and I need my body to start working normally. So I think that perhaps Hashimoto and hypothyroidism, you know, occurred because my body kind of shut down at such an early age because of these pills. So how do you um, help somebody, you know, go from their feeling like their body's not functioning on their on its own to you know remission or reversing these things or just working a little bit better well yeah and that's that's a loaded question and again it comes back to addressing all the the main areas of the mind body and spirit honestly and and seeing what's what's your specific unique combination excuse me combination lock number as i say to unlock that safe of remission you could have 25 different root causes that are causing your disease. Someone else could have two. Someone else could have 38. <laughs> Whatever, arbitrary numbers. But that's the investigative process that I have to do and that we need to do for ourselves and we're trying to figure this out on our own. Um, so that's how you achieve remission. But at the end of the day, though, it, it all boils down to the same thing. There's a dysfunctional immune system. That's what it is. You have lost of tolerance. Loss of tolerance means that you are starting to be responsive or reactive to antigens, foods, that is metals and bacterial products, um, environmental things that you shouldn't be reacting to. And we need to be reactive to some things, but reacting to every food you eat is a problem. It's, it's an abnormal immune response. So that's what it comes right. down to at the end of the day. I actually have a workshop called uh, Get Me Off AIP Workshop because think about it, everyone's on the AIP diet these days. And guess what? It's not a solution. It's a band-aid. It hel it's helpful sometimes, but not always yeah. for this exact reason. Because if you um, do a restrictive elimination diet, whether it's AIP or not, and you reintroduce foods, you know, six months later, and you still feel the same, well, then you then I just proved my point. <laughs> so it comes down to yeah. balancing your immune system. You and you got to improve that that tolerance. Um, and, and how to do that? Yeah, it's all lifestyle stuff, and everything feeds into each other. So it's yeah, it's stress. Whether it's fear about coronavirus and modern daily stressors or past trauma issues that are unresolved and living subconsciously, or maybe it's some infection stuff or, or toxin load, uh, you know, so it's all those things that, does that make sense? And that's all that yeah. stuff can, de can derail the immune system. So, um, that's why it's a matter of tapping the root causes, but also working on the dysfunctional parts of the immune system that are unique to you. And there, and it's very different. It's complicated. So like, I, yeah, maybe beyond the scope of this conversation, but like that just depends. Everyone's got the immune system is very complicated, but there are different components of it that are working fine for other people and, and they're not working fine for others. And you have to look at that and, and assess, you know, what's going on and that's how you can make an informed decision. So a lot of this sounds like it's, you know, could be pointing towards the, the root cause is obviously gut related. And I know that a lot of the listeners um, are into this kind of stuff. So they, they definitely are aware of, of gut issues and stuff like that. But I, I just keep, I keep the, the reason why I had a GI appointment today that didn't really go well <laughs> is because I want to get tested for these things. Um, but test aside, even if we're not testing or whatever, leaky gut, SIBO, could you explain this, um, in, you know, kind of dummy terms, just so, you know, because some people are like, oh, you know, IBS is just like you're, you're pooping all the time or, you know, leaky gut is this or SIBO is, is this. You can't have this food. What what's your just kind of like 
how can you describe these these things so that it's more understandable so that people can kind of pinpoint as to what they think they might have due to their symptoms because they Mm -hmm. know their bodies you know better than the doctor better than some of these tests too so Mm -hmm. um how could we how could we just narrow that down and just connect to our body and really find that awareness and like just understand what the feeling is and, and understanding and knowing well, it's important to remember that you know, GI issues, IBS, bloating, constipation, gas, diarrhea, whatever it is, uh, there's so many things that could be driving that. It's never just one thing, in my experience. You know, so it's not always a bacterial infection or a fungus or anything like that or E. coli or whatever. Um, but you know, there's sometimes there's issues with the liver, sometimes there's issues with the brain and stress and trauma and things like that, obviously. Um, and, and so that's, and, and that's actually what I see the most is, is the mental stress and emotional issues that really drive the IBS issues. Um, so that's why taking a probiotic and trying to take a bunch of glutamine and bone broth isn't going to fix your problems if you don't deal with the mental stuff. And that's for you to decide if that's something you really are dealing with and just being aware and, and the awareness of that is really what's most important. So you can deal with the SIBO if you have it or the infections if you have it, but it's going to come back if you don't deal with what, co- the, you know, the issues. This is what I always say. We always try to get to the root cause of these issues, right? Of SIBO or and fungus. And we treat with herbs, antibiotics, antifungals, and, you know, glutamine, whatever. But what about the root cause of the root cause? <laughs> it's going to come back. And the relapse is very high for SIBO because of these, this exact reason. Um, and so there's like a dozen reasons as to why SIBO can come back. But a lot of it is nervous system issues and lack of bile. There's liver, you know, congestion issues as well, um, and, and and so forth. So you have to f- figure out like, and, and it's not easy. That's why I'm, I'll be fully honest with you. But uh, to do it on your own, at least, we got to identify what those weak links in your chain are, um, and that's what it comes down to. So you know, deal with it with lifestyle, but you also have to take a take a step, go a step further, and identify the other abnormalities or issues that are creating that inhospitable environment for yourself. Is that, is that clear? Are, is SIBO and leaky gut technically the same thing? No, definitely not. No. Um, So what's the difference? Well, SIBO technically is just uh, a condition where the bacteria from the large intestine migrates into the small intestine where it doesn't belong. So you have an overpopulated area in the gut that, in the small intestine, that is fermenting your cruciferous veggies, your fiber, all those things that you can't tolerate. Hence, why a low FODMAP diet is helpful. But if you just do that and don't actually address the bacteria and all the things I said that could cause it, uh, that created, uh, allowed, excuse me, allowed it for allowed, it, excuse me, <laughs> allowed for it to be there, then that's why it's going to come back. Um, so they, yeah, they can cause leaky gut and so can fungus, but leaky gut is not simply just one thing or an infection issue. Stress will absolutely cause leaky gut. Gluten will cause leaky gut. And so yeah. it's multifactorial uh, for sure. And that's why I say you can't just heal your leaky gut and do all these things uh, because it'll come back if you don't deal with the stress, for example. Um, and again, not everybody has leaky gut. This is it's a huge um, misbelief out there in the autoimmune world where everybody thinks that they have no leaky gut because they have not a disease. I used to think that right. actually earlier in my years, but it's not true at all. Um, in fact, people with lupus and systemic diseases oftentimes don't. So we got to be careful with what we do and assume that it's because so-and-so on Instagram or Pinterest says, you know, leaky gut is the universal issue with 
that everybody with autoimmunity doesn't mean that's it's going to be your issue. Um, and having IBS issues does not guarantee you have leaky gut. You know, that's why you, you could, in theory, run a test for that. And a stool test could help you get clarity on that, depending on, on the type. There's a biomarker called Zonulin, Z-O-N-U-L-I-N. That's good to kind of rule that out and help you get clarity. Um, my experience, most people do have leaky gut, sure. Um, but I don't know for sure always because we don't run that test for the reasons I said before. I want to take just a quick break and let you guys know that my modern meditations journaling course is 50% off for the rest of July. I have gotten several messages from you guys saying, hey, can you make it 50% off again? And I was like, yeah, sure. Fuck yeah. So what it basically is, is over eight hours of guided meditations, uh, recorded by me with nice binaural beats and, and relaxing music in the background. Uh, along with the eight hours of uh, meditations, there is one yin yoga session in there, and each meditation is different lengths. There's an hour one that has the yin yoga session in there. There's some that range from 30 minutes to 40 minutes, to 20 minutes, there's a 12 minute meditation in there, so they're all different and they are all targeted towards a different energy channel in your body and a different area of your life that you are healing. So maybe it's a toxic relationship, maybe it's physically healing, maybe it's trauma, maybe it's childhood wounds and conditioning and all of that. So each meditation is specifically curated for a different area of your life. Along with the meditations is the shadow work, creative journaling, and writing aspect of the workshop. So there is over six pages of writing prompts, journaling prompts, that I prompt you to write each day. And there they range from, again, inner child work, trauma, therapy work, um, manifesting our lives, manifesting a new reality, and really digging deep into the shadow realms of ourself. Because in order for us to evolve and transcend and really create a life that we desire, that we feel good in, full of good people and good opportunities and a good living situation, like those are like very important things, right? Um, we have to deal with the shadow in order to reach success, to reach mental health, to reach, you know, positive body image. Um, we all deserve success. We all deserve happiness. We all deserve contentment, but our shadow can really take a toll on keeping us limited from reaching our full potential. So, um, this, this workshop is available on my Etsy account. You can find the link in the show notes. It's $27 for the rest of the month, and I hope that you enjoy it. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from you guys, so I would love to hear your feedback. Let's get back into the episode. And I'm not right. really concerned about it because you don't lose anything by trying to, you know, uh, trying to heal it, right? Right. So stress and lifestyle, you know, it is a huge factor in why our gut health is, you know, working poorly. And, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I've 
been in the realm of overexercising and stress and um, and just life in general. I mean, in 2019, I had like one of the most stressful years of my life. I like went through mm-hmm. a rock bottom. I moved two times. I got scammed by a realtor. I became homeless. Like it's just like the craziest shit. Like you can't even make the shit up. And that, you know, obviously I know that that has something to do with, with my health as well. And that's actually part of the reason why I removed myself from Philly and I moved to Tampa to live with my mom and my stepdad. And not in a million years would I ever have thought I was going to do that. But something within me said, you're not okay and you need to de-stress and you need to focus on your health and your mental health and your physical health. And I got to say, I do feel physically better now that I'm off my thyroid medication. I've been off birth control for years. Um, but at the same time, I my period and my, my menstrual cycle still has not um, normalized itself. Uh, you know, I took myself off birth control two and a half years ago, and it's been a journey. I mean, it's been, it's been hard because um, I, you know, my, my menstruation is not here and I'd love it to be here. I'd love, mm-hmm. you know, I'm taking herbs and I've, you know, I'm one of those people who loves learning about herbs. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you about some, some specific herbs and supplements. Um, yeah. First off, before we go into supplements and herbs, what are your thoughts on homeopathy and like those pellets that like, you know, it's a very ancient way of healing. Yeah. And um, what what's your thoughts on that? Because I've read a lot of, um, homeopathy like case studies and articles and I get lost on on online in these rabbit holes and there's certain homeopathy pellets for Hashimoto and for thyroid like sepia or um there's one other one I forget the name of it they're all on my my counter and I can't get to it now but um things like that like homeopathy some people don't know what that is but basically they're they're little pellets that look like little sugar pellets. And it's like an ancient way of, of healing the body. Um, I have this huge book that I'll just go through and it's overwhelming because, you know, like there's so much information out there, but what, what are your thoughts on, on using homeopathy? Honestly, I'm, I'm not well-versed in that field at all. And that's because I intentionally don't bother to learn it. (laughs) It's very, it's complicated. I didn't learn in school. In fact, my professor just taught me in grad school that, um, there was no evidence for it. And that's kind of what happened. Um, now that I've actually, it, it's, it's funny you said that because I, I came across a study today in my email um, about homeopath, uh, excuse me, homeopathy in the use of, of uh, in the treatment of depression. Um, I, and basically what I took from it was that, um, and I have not looked at a lot of the research, honestly, for, the, for what I said before. Um, but basically what I, I found um, in my limited review of the stuff is that there is potential use for it. And I think that there is validity with it. Um, however, there's a, a lack of clarity and there is a need for additional um, high quality studies still, at least for from sure. what I've read. And that's the issue because the funding and who's running the studies, is there bias involved? And that's the other, that's why it's complicated. But a lot of people, um, or just very much like, no, it's BS. And especially the conventional side, they will just like literally, you know, laugh in your face. And I know a lot of my naturopathic friends like to use them. They've had success with it. And listen, I don't, you know, I don't really care if it works and people find relief with it. Great. You know? Um, but it works more on an energetic level, which is more complicated. And, um, 
think it's probably why it's harder to test, but I, I honestly don't know. I'm not the guy to ask, but um, it's definitely something I'm probably going to uh, explore further and just see what it's about because I think it's um, an issue to kind of make blanket statements that a lot of people do and say, well, there's no evidence for it. It's, it's bullshit and like, you know, don't use it. Um, just right. as much as it is to say, oh, it's the best thing ever. It'll solve all your problems. Like those both extremes are both an issue. Mm-hmm. So when you have a patient or a client come to you um, who, you know, has these autoimmune um, issues, but they're also trying to balance and heal their hormones, um, what do you recommend as far as like, what do you think about um, Vitex, like Chase Berry or, you mm-hmm. know, these these herbs and supplements that are like maca um i've been using vitex and it's really funny because i so for you know eight months or so when i first took myself off birth control like i didn't get my period and then i started implementing vitex and then i i got it kind of like instantly this time around it's it's almost like i'm i'm going through these phases of of like as i'm as I'm detoxing my body, because now I'm, I'm truly detoxed. I don't have alcohol or drugs or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. but this, this time around, um, my moon cycle has not come in like almost a year, which is really just irritating because I do take Vitex, um, not over like a long period of time, but it's almost like my body just got used to it, you know? So how do you help your clients kind of balance their hormones? Like I know that you're, you're super into helping people with PCOS and, Mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah. Um, so hormonal issues, I mean, depending on what it is, right. Especially in the context of infertility or menstrual irregularities, um, estrogen dominance, right? Maybe dysmenorrhea, menorrhagia, heavy periods, painful periods. I have worked with all of that. Um, I still do. It's really common. Um, PCOS or not, right? Again, it comes back to what's driving in the first place. Is it an estrogen load in the body that's too much? Is there stress involved? Is there issues with infections that are um, increasing aromatization or uh, estrogen dominance, for uh, uh, example? You know, there's a lot of components to it, and that's and, and herbs are fine. Vitex is great, and mock is great. Um, it's just whatever, all these sort of adaptogens, I guess. But they're not supposed to. If you just do that, you're missing the all the other factors involved, and you can't just rely on. It's not. That's why I'm saying it's not as easy to take a supplement and just fix all your issues. It doesn't work that way. If it did, then you know we'd all be better, right? Um, they right. do have effic- efficacy for sure. You know, Vitex is great. I use it all the time with my clients with PCOS. Um, and it, it basically, though, we should understand that it works at the hypothalamus, works in the brain. So it's um, on the pituitary, I'm sorry, not the hypothalamus. But basically what it's doing is it's helping for you to increase um, luminizing hormone, right? But it all it may also decrease it too. So it, it's sort of like a, um, works as like, like a barometer, if you will, or thermostat. And it changes your hormones in a way that um, is more balanced. It's trying to get you to equilibrium. So um, it's not, it, I, you know, we used to think, I think that it was bad because it increases LH uh, and that's not maybe good for some people. Um, and it can shut down your menstrual cycle, but it really just depends. But, you know, for most people who um, are, are dealing with, hypothalamic menorrhea or have no period at all, um, mm-hmm. I find it to be really, really helpful because it's what it's doing is it's, um, 
increasing LH, it's, you know, um, thereby reducing prolactin, and it's also increasing progesterone, and that's what it's doing. It's helping with the communication between your, your brain and your ovaries. So, Would you um, say that you – do you tell your clients to take it every day for a certain amount of time? Like Yeah, and you weeks? need at least three months for it to really kick in. So oh, wow. if, okay. if, you're, if you're kind of like, okay, well, it's been two weeks and I see no difference. Well, it's because you don't give enough time. Um, right. But right. then again, you know, remember that it's not like, okay, I take chase tree and therefore I should get my cycle in 12 weeks. Like don't have that expectation. You have to do other things with it. Right. Understand right. like what other factors are, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, chronic dieting and you're at the gym doing an hour of cardio, well then sorry, no amount of chase tree is going to fix your period at that point. Right. Exactly. So it's all yeah, about it's... addressing all the factors. Um, so a little bit of supplement talk, vitamins talk mm-hmm. for people who are, who definitely are suffering with Hashimoto or hypothyroid, because like I said before, it can, it can be debilitating, you know, like we, like personally, I feel like my metabolism is so slow and, and I know it's not just in my head because you know, I'm, I don't like to admit it sometimes, but I am, I have a lot of fear around certain foods. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I find myself in this cycle of like pretty restrictive eating. Like if, if someone were to like, look at the way that I'm, that I eat, it would definitely come off as super restrictive. And it's, rooted in that fear of, well, when I eat this, it makes me bloated or, you know, I get joint pain or, you know, like my right hip is like where I hold all of my trauma. So I I swear, like when I eat some foods um, like garlic or onion or something like that, it manifests in different ways. And some people might think that I'm crazy for saying that. Um, But, you know, I, I really find it interesting. I think um, it was last night that I messaged you about iodine and how you said iodine is no good for Hashimoto. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. was like, oh, that's interesting because everything that I, that I read is like, eat kelp, eat kelp. And um, so, you know, mm-hmm. I know that everybody's different. Everybody's physical body is different. But overall, I mean, Hashimoto is the it's the endocrine system. It's it's autoimmune. It's, you know everything is kind of slowed down. And um, it's funny because people will will comment. um, I'll never forget this. I had a holistic doctor. um, It was a friend, my friend's stepfather, I think, and he's a holistic doctor. And I saw him at the gym one day. I was teaching at Equinox and, you know, I was telling him some of my issues. I have hypothyroidism, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, are you sure you don't have hyperthyroidism? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. I, you know, I have it under control because I, I watch what I eat and I'm, you know, restrictive, which I'm not proud of, you know what I mean? But in order for me to feel good, I have to stay away from certain foods. And just because I'm quote unquote thin doesn't mean that you, you, you know, you can't have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto. I feel like there's a lot of stigma around that. Like, oh, there's no way you could have that because you're thin. And that's why I hate going to the doctors because they look at me and they say, oh, like, you know, you, you don't have this or it's, it's, it's so surface level. Mm-hmm. So for someone who comes to you, you know, I keep using me as an example just because I just feel like it's easy and people definitely will relate. Um, 
not your typical Hashimoto client. You know, I'm not middle-aged. I'm not overweight. I'm not, you know, sluggish. Like I do have energy to work out most days. Some days I feel like a, a bus hit me, but you know, it's, it's very up and down, but I yeah. don't do hit workouts anymore. I don't run. I don't, I, I'm trying not to stress myself out, but what kind of supplements or, um, you know, vitamins would you recommend someone to start having their endocrine system work, you know, better, I guess. Uh, relative to thyroid hormone or anything? Yeah. 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 Like thyroid and, and thyroid and metabolism. Well, yeah. And so a lot of these things have, uh, more than one purpose. So, um, the, the adaptogen type of things that we mentioned before are pretty clutch really helpful depends and everyone's different with how they respond to it so that's highly like which types of which types of adaptogens like like you know ashwagandha rhodiola shizandra um luthero cyberian ginseng you know these are all very different it depends on your circumstances and your cortisol levels and your your cortisol awakening response or you know your circadian rhythm um and it's a little bit of trial and error we don't always know how we're going to react to this stuff um, so that's definitely helpful. That's like kind of the go-to thing. And, and that's a little bit of experimentation. And I always recommend doing one at a time because you could have, you can take a formula with a bunch of herbs and I've done that. I've recommended that in the past and I don't always find it helpful. But if you play with one, like, like for example, I have a client now who has unexplained hair loss and she's got, you know, bloating, IBS issues and, and period issues, history of competition and dieting. Well, I mean, that's a stress your body's still living with. That's really what it comes from, where it comes from, among other things. But, you know, I, I gave her, I said, hey, let's give Shizandra as part of the whole approach here. Um, I don't know the outcome yet. I just started doing it. But, yeah, that's what I'm saying is you want to you want to play with those things. And uh, beyond that, though, uh, you, you, I mean, just from like a generalized standpoint, you really can't go wrong with a couple of these staples that we kind of really all need when we're dealing with stuff. Vitamin D and probiotics um, usually are helpful. Um, you know, spore-based biotics are, are definitely useful too. Magnesium for sure is great for stress and anxiety and um, magnesium glycinate that is. Um, and a B complex, definitely for people who are really burned out and stressed out, vitamin C would be really helpful too for adrenal support. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's really the, the starting point, you know, beyond that, it's really hard to know, just depends on your mm-hmm. circumstances. But I also am not a supplement junkie, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, you need 20 things. And that's definitely right. not helpful because guess what? Here's the iron, here's the irony of all this stuff is that there's so many practitioners and doctors out there and people who say you should take all these supplements and take this and that and the other, and you're, you have a whole bag of 20 products. But yet you're probably absorbing a fraction of because guess what? All the issues, the stress you have going on that created, you know, the problems for you in the first place are inhibiting you from absorbing all of it or most of it, I would say. And it happens all the time. So you're really just wasting your time and money. So yeah, a lot doing, of money. <laughs> doing less is actually a lot more and better, uh, I find, with clients. So keep that in mind as well. Um, people are just sick of swallowing all these things every day. And that alone is a stressor. It's like the time of timing of it, when to do it, you know, how much, you know, how many times a day. And so you got to keep it simple. 
you know, and we've complicated the hell out of this. It's really unfortunate because it actually has created more issues that I think it's fixed. Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest approach, would you say, is um, lifestyle and what we're putting in our bodies as far as food? Yeah. Like- actually, no, what I'll say is that it's not just that. It's not all about diet. And we got to just remember that um, it's so much more than that. It's actually, it's a small piece of the pie. It really is. It's okay. not as big as, as we think it is. And that's, you know, it's because people say this and that, and it's, uh, everything's about gluten and everything's about dairy. Yeah, it matters, but it's not the be all end all. It's not, um, you know, sleep, sleep, <laughs> highly overlooked. If you're not sleeping, staying asleep, getting to sleep, um, that's going to be a bigger problem than food, <laughs> in my opinion, you know? Which is, or yeah, to- which is a huge yeah. symptom of Hashimoto is insomnia. Yeah. So, right. Right. you know, first, for someone who is trying to rebuild this, their their digestion and their gut health and their circadian rhythm, it can be so daunting because, like, I have insomnia. Like, I, I definitely do. I, mm-hmm. I didn't when I first moved here, but right now I'm in an insomnia kind of realm. And it's super frustrating because you're not supposed to, quote unquote, eat late at night. Um, and that can totally fuck up your stomach as well. But for someone who, you know, say is de-stressing, they're trying to get more sleep, they're not trying to overwork out, they're not trying to overdo anything, what kind of approach would you have for someone who's trying to strengthen their digestion and their gut health as far as like a a way of eating like like a certain I don't know not I don't want to label it I don't want to label vegan or eating meat or whatever but is there anything that you've noticed in your practice and helping your clients that has that has been noticeably um helpful Um, it's it's so tricky because what's harmful and and uh, problematic for you could be fine for someone else and vice versa, which is why the sort of AIP diet or whatever diet um, philosophy we buy into and believe is the Holy grail is not helpful because it's all specific to you. There's only, there is no one diet that is across the board better for you. It's uh, or for, for anybody with a disease or illness, it's there's a diet that works best for you. That's it. And that's a little bit right. of, of exp- no, and no one likes to hear that because it requires work and effort to figure out what that is. And it takes wanna, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, unless you want to run a food sensitivity test, a legit one that has um, validity, which there are, but there's a lot of garbage ones that are ineffective and they're not reproducible. Alcat, MRT, you know, those are common ones. So, you know, if you do an ELISA test, an E-L-I-S-A test, um, that's the gold standard. So if you're going to do a food sensitivity test, you got to use that. Um, and that will tell you. And is if, that stool? No, it's a, no, it's a blood. So, um, that's a good way to figure this out, but I don't use that stuff with clients because it's expensive. They don't want to do it. And in my experience, we can play around with stuff and yeah, gluten and dairy are the biggest offenders for sure. In my experience with Hashimoto's, we know that with the evidence too, but beyond that, it's, it's a bit, it's hit or miss. Some people are, have issues with lectins and nightshades. Some have issues with all grains. Some have issues with legumes and some fruits, you know, and, and you got to go off your symptoms and your responses and, and honor that and, and pay attention. It's all about awareness. And sometimes we don't know because there are delayed symptoms. You could have a symptom a couple hours from now or a couple days from now, even you won't know. 
so it's tricky. That's why I'm saying like you gotta consider both sides of it. Um, but here, here's again what I'm gonna say is that if you balance your immune system, work on doing that, then you shouldn't have these issues with you know these food intolerances. They're not. It's not supposed to be a lifelong thing, right? If you're reacting to 18 foods, you have a problem. You know, right? And eliminating the food is not the is not a solution. It's just a band aid. So you're. The, the way you know if you're successful in finding improvement is if you're becoming more tolerable to these foods that you previously were not. Now, gluten and dairy, they want exceptions because they just seem to be very, very irritating to the thyroid and the immune system. We know that um, it can cause brain, you know, brain fog and uh, leaky gut issues and all that stuff. But beyond that, um, I don't have any, I don't put people on a diet. That's the thing. I don't tell them, hey, you got to avoid these foods and these foods and that foods. We play with it. And I, I listen to them and say, hey, you know, what's going on? You've, what's bothering you right now with these foods? And you tell me. If you can't deal with it, then we won't do it, you know? And, and so that's what it, it should come down to. But it's completely wrong and ignorant to go from zero to 100 to be like, um, I read this and therefore I got to cut up like every food group known to mankind is eat vegetables and meat and that's it. Because right, like that's the- actually very, yeah, there are major shortcomings with that. And it really actually worsens the gut environment to a degree. And creates more gut imbalances. So, um, <laughs> so you can see right. there's, a, there's a drawback to that. Yeah, and I think like the low FODMAP and all these things, it's like just a temporary band aid. So, like what you're saying is, when you have a client who comes in who has this history of hyper dieting and counting micros and macros and all that, um, your your first focus would be to strengthen the immune system, which is connected to the well, gut. Put it right? this way, it's we, we focus so much as a society right now with when it comes to disease on avoidance. Avoid this, avoid that, avoid this, avoid that. And we completely neglect and overlook resilience. We need resiliency, right? In our gut, but also in our immune system, which is really the epicenter of it all. So we have to do both. Okay, so yes, we're working on improving the immune system, but we're also simultaneously avoiding the pr- provocative foods that are irritating your immune system that we know, and we may miss some, that's okay. But if you're working on improving resilience, that's the, the you know, that's the goal and take it to get out of here. But, um, you know, you don't, the last thing you really want to do, and I don't do this is you don't want to cut, we're going to remove all these food groups and then just work on improving the immune system. Cause then actually you won't even know if you're finding improvement when you run a test, cause you've, you've taken out all the foods that are irritating the immune system. So how do you know if you're improving? <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta have some things right. that are quote unquote bad you know, for you and leave it in the system, your body. So that when you run a test later, you can see, okay, well, I'm actually not in the red zone anymore. I'm actually um, not reactive to this food, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what it comes down to. It's doing both. It's improving resiliency of the immune system in your gut and everything else, but also removing temporarily, right, the, the foods that are, you know, ca- causing the issues. Okay. So, um, you know, for someone who wants to make a, an appointment at the GI, like, like I'm doing and, you know, I know, I know tests aren't everything, but an overall, just, just to understand where their stomach's at, like you would recommend like a stool and blood is what you're for the uh, food sensitivity. I reckon I could make, yeah, I could say, I recommend this, but are they actually in order for you? That's the bigger question. Honestly, probably more no more times than yes. So, I'm not saying it's a waste of time. All I'm saying is that you're gonna have a, you might have a difficult 
time getting what you want. And that's why you got to go explore a different route. The, the thing is that they're going to look at this differently than, than we need to. And it's, they'll do a colonoscopy and endoscopy. They'll check out structural issues. But guess what? There's nothing there. Of course, you're going to be back normal. Most of the time, relatively speaking, you know, because that's not the issue. It's a functional problem, right? You can't do an image scan and, and say, oh, well, and, and find out you have low enzymes or stomach acid or you have bacterial issues in your small intestine. It doesn't, it's a different type of test, you know? At, you know, at the very least, I'm sure you would get a stool test. In my experience, you know, these GI docs will do that. And that's helpful. Yeah, definitely do that. But understand that just because you come back negative does not mean you're fine. <laughs> you have not ruled right. out the small intestine. And that's a big, big oversight. Um, yeah. And we don't want to make that assumption. You can be negative, for example. People say, I did a stool test. I was negative for fungus or candida in my, my stool. Well, okay. It doesn't mean you don't have it. In fact, I find it in small intestine all the time with clients with Hashimoto's. It's so common. So if you miss that, well, that's a problem, right? So there's no one test to rule out all the things that you want to check into when it comes to, you know, mapping out and explore and checking out your GI environment. You got to look at different things. And I know it's hard because you don't, people don't know what that is, but that's why I'm saying it's more than a stool test. You know, you got to look and check out um, small intestine and see if there's H. pylori issues or, or SIBO, for example, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, these breath tests can be helpful. Um, you know, organic acid tests are, can be helpful too. There's some, you know, people have some issues with that and the accuracy, but it's, it, it, it's all relative to the, the lab and what they're doing. But um, yeah, that's, that's really what you want to do and, 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 and consider different areas, not just one thing. So, you know, do your best and try to request what you can, but don't stop there if you get a no, right? You can actually order the stuff, all, any of this stuff, I'm, I'm pretty much saying online on your own, except for a few states like New York. Um, and I have clients do it. Like, don't, you know, it's like trying to pull, you know, it's like pulling teeth. Like, don't waste your time. It's going to frustrate you and create more stress. And guess what? You just feel worse in the end, right? So run this yeah. test, run these on your own, order it on your own if you want to. I use walkinlab.com. I use directlabs.com. Um, and they're great. You can get literally anything you want and pay out of pocket for it, but it sure as hell beats then, uh, trying to, you know, <laughs> fight your doctor to get it and hope that insurance will cover it. Right. So, yeah. So you just got to suck it up for the sake of your own health and like getting through this and not wasting time. It's definitely worth it in the end, but that's what I recommend is if you want to get the stuff done the right way and fast, then go through those websites, get the requisition, yeah. the requisition form print it out and take it to LabCorp or direct, um, wherever you do to you know, get blood drawn and call it a day. Yeah. I will have to, um, follow up with you because I actually have all these tests coming up, you yeah. know, GI, I have, I have my hormone testing and then my full thyroid panel as well. So I'll, when I, when I get those results, maybe I'll hit you up and see what your <laughs> thoughts are. Sounds um, good. one last question before you can kind of uh, tell people where to find you. Um, overall inflammation. I know that like inflammation can is such a blanket statement and very mm -hmm. vague, but um, I personally feel like inflammation is for me in one part of my body, which is like my lower body. And again, that, that can be connected to trauma. Um, but no, regardless of where the inflammation is, what is um what what would you recommend for anyone who is just really struggling with swelling or inflammation or water retention or just overall soreness? Um, what would be like three 
main ways to kind of get through that it could be yeah. it could be it could be anything um, well i think it's helpful to get a baseline idea of kind of where you stand with total inflammation and it's not gonna be specific for anything but like hscrp c-reactive protein is a good way to get a general idea of where your levels are it should be like under one if it's really above that and in fact clients like 15 20 like it's really bad it's 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 a means you got a lot going on i don't know what that is can you can you repeat that can you repeat that hscr crp basically is what it is c-reactive protein um okay that's a good biomarker um esr erythrocyte sedimentation rate is another good one just to kind of get a ballpark idea of where you stand okay now beyond that um what can you do right well (laughs) it's it's again it's, it's there's many many pieces to this um that could be causing inflammation, but look at this, um, a white blood cell count, um, you know, in a CBC, right? Everybody does a CBC. In fact, that's the first thing that you can get with any doctor because they run that. It's pretty routine. It's dirt cheap. Um, so you'll get that. That gives you a lot of really great information just from first glance. And when you're first starting out with this to see kind of where you are, um, your white blood cell count, Right, if it's really really low or pushing on the lower end of normal, that's a problem. It's going to allow for the attraction of infections. Like even right now, like with coronavirus going on right now, like a low white blood cell count is not good, <laughs> you know. And right. neither is too high. And a high white white blood cell count would imply, yeah, you got you get some infection you're dealing with probably. And then you can look at the the different uh, different types of immune cells, you know, that make up the total white blood cell. Um, community, right? You know, eosinophils and natural killer cells, dendritic cells, and you know, and then you can get. Hopefully, you can try to get a B and T cell profile, which, in the case of autoimmune disease, would be really helpful to know to see which parts are active and highly, you know, reactive, um, and which are not. And just looking at that, you can get some really good data on in terms of kind of your your status and how well you're doing. Because here's the deal, you know, I'll just throw this out there for your listeners and for yourself that uh, we get. So bought into the belief that if I have antibodies, I'm doomed. If they're not going down, I'm not getting better. That's completely wrong. You could have higher than normal antibodies and be completely fine. I've had clients be in remission. They're, they're great. Their TPO is in like, you know, one, 200. Great. I don't really care because you know why the T cells, the are, are in normal range. They're the ones that are actually doing the damage. It's not the antibodies. Okay. So people should understand that and and to take it with a massive grain of salt and look and see how you're feeling symptom wise but also the t-cells and that's why it's helpful to get that as an add-on to the cbc um and again if you can't get it through your doctor you can order online for sure through those websites i mentioned before so you got to look at both and then conversely i've had people where they have um lower um i'm sorry high uh i'm sorry lower uh, antibodies and they have really raging looking T cells, you know, but their antibodies are normal. So how could they be in bad shape? Well, they are because they're still having symptoms. So we got to listen to our body and pay attention to that. That's what it comes down to. Labs can lie, but your intuition doesn't lie. Okay. Right. So just remember that. Um, and so anyway, all I'm saying is that those biomarkers, uh, ESR, um, CRP, you're looking at the CBC and your white blood cell count that can give you a really simple idea of kind of where you are and what to do. That's my wholehearted recommendation there. Perfect. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that I, that those are uh, within the testings that I'm getting done. So um, 
thank you so much for coming on. I want you to plug in whatever um, workshops or projects you are working on. I know you have a lot going on and you um, you have mm-hmm. amazing stories on Instagram and you're always sharing like just straight up truth. So where can everybody find you? Really simple. <laughs> Two places, really. Um, the autoimmunerevolution.com is the home base for everything uh, as far as a lot of content they put out there um and uh other podcasts i've done and and on on these sort of topics here with trauma and pcos reproductive issues and fertility and autoimmune disease of course um and that's where we have uh any sort of any any of the programs we have related to Hashimoto's and pcos and and more specific one-on-one work um you can find all that sort of information there and, and see what other clients have been through in the past and what they've experienced um, but otherwise me on Instagram, I have a lot of, uh, free trainings I do. Um, I do whiteboard Wednesdays. It's been a while since I've done one, but I have a whole library that I have, um, put, I'm slowly putting the rest up on my IGTV. Um, so you can find okay. that there and it's just, um, you can find me at Justin Janoska. That's J A N O S K A for my last name. But, um, yeah, I, you can find, I mean, I, I put out all these three trainings on PCOS and histamine issues and estrogen issues and acne and PMS, all this stuff. So much more than all this. the things. Yeah. I try to do as much <laughs> as I can and, um, that I have knowledge about, um, versus, um, just <laughs> speaking about whatever I feel like and that you people want to hear. So, um, that's what I would say. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully it helps. I'll definitely put all of those links in the show notes below and Oh, final thing. Know. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my book, which is, um, hidden somewhere in my profile, it's not on the website. Um, but the flexible dieting disaster, um, is what it's called. It's on Amazon and it pretty much is for the person who has been uh, chronic dieting or their competition has issues with body dysmorphia or disordered eating or orthorexia or eating disorders and has no idea why they're dealing with it or how to get out of it. And it comes from all the experience I've had with clients work with that population and also shedding light on the evidence behind this and how all this can feed into autoimmunity and PCOS and all these unexplained symptoms we may have. Exactly. And that's exactly why I had you come on today. And I feel like I could talk to you for another 10 hours about this stuff, but maybe we can have you come, <laughs> we can have time. you come yeah. back on for a round two and get deeper into that whole realm. Um, that'd be cool. Right. But I just want to say thank you so much for coming. My and pleasure. I'm sure everybody, I'm sure everybody will enjoy this episode because it's just, you know, you, you speak the truth and there's a lot of fluff that's out there. So <laughs> do my best. Um, Thanks. Girl. All right. So thank you so much. guys thank you so much for tuning into that episode of the vibe within um so also i just wanted to mention that i just wrote an article for elephant journal about sexuality and how the collective is feeling about sex right now and the reason why i did that is because i posted a poll question on my instagram and it was how do you feel what's the energy that you feel when you hear the word sex or when you think about sex and I was really shocked by the answers I'm not the only one who who feels terrified or uncomfortable or confused by sex and 
Not everybody has sexual trauma, but I think that the majority of the collective uh, is suffering with uh, weirdness around sex, especially with COVID and social distancing. And the, the times that we're in right now have actually been the catalyst to do inner work, to do shadow work. I know people in my life who I never would think would do shadow work. I never would think would awaken like they are. And I truly feel like the pandemic and quarantine was the medicine that they maybe emotionally and mentally needed to rip off that band-aid of how they've been living their lives and the conditioning and the patterns and the cycles that they've been in with relationships, with their body, with, with the way that they treat themselves, with uh, the jobs that they hold, their living situations, like everything is just rising to the surface. So if you're interested in reading that article, I will put the link from my Elephant Journal articles in the show notes. Um, again, if you enjoy this podcast, please uh, just share it with a friend or a family member or rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or just listen to it on Spotify, wherever you listen to it. But share it, you know, share it with anybody who you think is just struggling with all these issues. So thank you for your energy. Thank you for your time. And if you're in Miami, I'm going to be here for a week um, until probably the end of July. So I'm going to be hosting an intimate, very intimate yoga session experience uh, here in Edgewater where I am staying. And if you're in the area, um, hit me up on Instagram, Gypsy Love Flow. Uh, the space can only hold about five or six people total. So keep that in mind. Uh, it's very limited space, especially with social distancing. So I'll leave you with that. Enjoy the rest of your day or your night and we will chat soon.